0: And uh, welcome to Health Talk from Mars. It's out of this world. And in today's episode, I would like to talk about how to do food preparation. So food preparation is a critical ingredient on prevention of cancer. And this is something that I don't think is appreciated enough, uh, that there are certain techniques that are much, much better than others. So what I'd like to do is to begin about just talking about how to prepare foods that would be the most healthy for you. So the number one worst way to prepare food is to cook it on a charcoal grill. And the reason why that's so bad, and it depends also on what you're cooking, foods that have fats in them in particular, So, you know, the classic is you're making hot dogs, hamburgers, steaks, and you're grilling them on these charcoal fires. And as the fat drips into the charcoal, it immediately incinerates and produces hundreds of toxic compounds, acrylics and acrylamides. And those compounds then smoke into the meat, And then you eat the meat and it tastes so good and it's about the most toxic things you can do to your food. In addition, there's something called advanced glycated end products. Uh, Advanced glycated end products are most exclusively, but not entirely, related to animal foods, cooking of them, and especially char broiling. So baking them also can be really bad. And certainly deep, deep fat frying is another really bad way because it produces what we call peroxides and free radicals. So fats are very sensitive to heat. And in meat, you have just inherently a lot of fat. So the more fat you have and the higher temperature, the more of these oxidized products you will create, particularly peroxides and free radicals. So I've spent over fifty years studying this. In fact, in 1976, I wrote a paper in my undergraduate nutrition degree on antioxidants and peroxides and free radicals, which I'm still trying to locate that paper because it was uh, quite a quite a paper. I had you know minute details on how free radicals are produced and how fats become oxidized and how they cause the oxidation of other fats it's a chain reaction that happens and how to protect yourself and your food from oxidizing like that so char broiling and deep fat frying which everyone kind of knows intuitively is really bad because you have this oil that you're sitting in or whatever fat that you're cooking in and it's just sitting at this really high temperature and just oxidizing the heck out of things so other ways that are not good to cook and I and you know this is this I'm going to say this is a little bit controversial and I'm open to possibilities but microwaving I particularly do not like microwaving and I think that we do not understand everything that happens when we microwave food so there was a study done years ago in France on broccoli and they microwaved the broccoli and they measured the flavonoid content of broccoli, so one of the flavonoids, quercetin, and it reduced the flavonoid content by 80%. So when that study came out, I was like, I knew it. And, you know, sometimes we can intuit things. We don't necessarily need to have thousands of studies to show that. And But that one particular study is like, aha, there's something about that, especially about fats. You don't want to microwave fats because of the violent nature of microwaves and how they shake those particles apart and create sometimes unique radiolytic byproducts. So if you have a microwave, please don't use it on fats. They recommend don't use it on baby formula especially because baby formula has a lot of fat in it. Uh, So one of the things that we know is that the milk from a baby human milk has a much higher fat content than let's say cow's milk or goat's milk. And the reason for that is that humans are big fat heads. 70% of our brain is composed of fat. That's why there's higher fat content. When babies are born, we don't like jump out of the womb and start running around like calves do or like colts do. And it's like, ha ha. And the reason why that happens, probably survival and such, but that is why the nature of the milk that those animals produce is much different than the milk that we produce as humans. Okay, so now you're saying, okay, I can't char broil, I can't deep fat fry, even baking can cause advanced glycated end products, and I can't microwave. What's left? Well, The absolute best way is to use water. So steaming. So one of my favorite toys a friend of mine got is a steamer. It's a really nice Cuisinart steamer and you put food in there for three to six minutes and voila, perfectly done every time. And you can add those foods to other foods. So when I make my marinara sauce, I will oftentimes take cauliflower and maybe broccoli, zucchini, or carrots, and I put them in the steamer, steam them for you know a few minutes, and that greatly preserves the nutrients, and then I throw them into the marinara sauce. So I do caramelize my onions. Father, I have sinned. Sorry about that. Probably not the best. I do that because it tastes really good. Probably not the most healthy. But with that said, there's some really interesting studies that have come about with regard to certain phytonutrients, for example, tomato sauce. We know that tomato sauce has a significant amount of lycopene in it. Lycopene is one of the most cancer-protecting substances that we know about, also found in watermelon. And the lycopene is better extracted from the tomato sauce if we use a little bit of olive oil and we saute that. So that is a way that I get rid of my guilt when I caramelize my onions because I'll caramelize the onions, throw some shiitake mushrooms in there, and then I will put the olive oil and the tomato sauce in there. And I gradually heat that and that extracts more of the lycopenes in there. So aside from steaming, if you put food in a liquid, that's another great way. Don't throw the liquid away, but if you use the liquid, that's great. So when I went to Costa Rica and observed uh, the centenarians there, one of the things that uh, struck me was how they cooked. And there was no deep fat frying that I saw. And they would cook these soups once a week on the weekends. And the soups had things added to them, but it was in a liquid form. So obviously a liquid's only going to go to 212 degrees and then it boils off. And so 212 degrees is a lot cooler. The absolute best way is to use a pressure cooker. A pressure cooker will reduce the time similar to a microwave. And that's one of the benefits of microwaving. You don't need as much time to cook the food. But a pressure cooker is the absolute best way. A stainless steel pressure cooker. Everyone should that should be standard cooking attire that everyone has and that's going to preserve the maximum amount of nutrients and these flavonoid compounds. Reduce the time that you're cooking these foods. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about spices now. Spices are really critical because spices contain all of these flavonoid compounds. So as an example, curry is made up of ginger, is made up of Curcumin, which has turmeric, turmeric, one of the healthiest things that you can consume. So I say that if they took every restaurant and the government came in and said, okay, from now on, you cannot use salt or pepper. We're getting rid of salt and pepper shakers. It's illegal. And what you will have is a garlic shaker and maybe a cayenne shaker and turmeric. So if everyone replaced the and, and a pota- you could put potassium that would be not a bad idea. That would be good. Potassium shaker would be great and would greatly reduce the incidence of heart disease and cancer if that was so. So all right. So what are some other spices that we should use almost on a daily basis? I would say garlic. Garlic is a critical compound contains allicin antiviral antibacterial makes your platelets less sticky and it does a whole host of other beneficial properties protects us from cancer so garlic is something that everyone should be using in fact everyone should grow their own garlic on ongoing basis because it's not that hard to grow and it's extremely beneficial for you so if you cook the garlic you probably inactivate some of the constituents. So, it's good to use a combination of cooked garlic and also raw garlic. I know some people have a difficult time with raw garlic. Just, you know, heating it up a little bit and cooking it, baking it, is not a bad thing to do. So, as long as you don't overdo it. I have some dear friends that are Ayurvedic specialty cooks, and they cook with a tremendous number of spices. So probably in India, a lot of these spices prevented them from getting parasitic infections, but as a side benefit, greatly reduces your risk of cancer and heart disease. So using more spices, there's a shop that I discovered. I went down to True North at the the clinic down in California where they fast people, and me and a friend that was fasting there for three weeks uh, snuck down to the local spice shop, and we bought over three hundred dollars worth of spices, and which is crazy. But if you have spices, you will use them. And when people, you know, taste my cooking, they're like, "What is that?" I never taste. Yeah, well, um, expand your horizons. I think every child in school, it should be part of the curriculum. Should learn how to cook and how to cook with spices. That would greatly reduce the incidence of disease in this country because the United States has really bad health statistics. I think we're 57th, the last check that I did on, you know, getting sick. And the amount of money that we spend is astronomical and it's mostly for pharmaceuticals. So think about any time you cook a food... There's an opportunity to use a spice. So if you're making, this morning I made oatmeal with flax seeds. You can put some cinnamon. Cinnamon's really good for diabetes prevention. So that's a great thing to do. It does have some anti-cancer properties. So that's great. I added pomegranate seeds to my oatmeal. I added some walnuts, which have omega-3 fatty acids. I added a few pecans as well. But the flax seeds... I soaked them for a couple hours before I cooked the oatmeal, and I did it with low heat. So flax seeds have a compound in them called resinol, and it's found in extremely high amounts in flax seeds. So some other things that you can do on an almost daily basis, which I think is going to be really important for preventing of cancer, is to use broccoli sprouts. So sprouts are not used often enough. Broccoli sprouts contain some really important constituents called glucosinolate. Glucosinolate is a compound that gets converted by an enzyme called myrosinase into sulforaphane. Sulforaphane is one of the most protective anti-cancer substances that you can consume. And most people don't consume nearly enough. So these are found in foods like the brassica family. So cabbage especially purple cabbage is really good brussels sprouts cauliflower broccoli but especially broccoli sprouts and now i see that broccoli sprouts are available in supermarkets so a good thing to to add to your list one just brief thing i just wanted to mention with regards to cancer and cancer prevention again this is just a little snippet of what we're going to talk about in the future One of the things that you can check is something called insulin-like growth factor in your blood. IGF-1 is something that is associated with high risk of cancer. So I like to see that number below 120, below 100, even the higher your value, the more risk predictor that we have of developing cancer later on. So, you know, use this as a guide Um, We know that animal protein and measuring your acid-base balance in your blood is a good thing to do. So one of the simple things you could do is check your urine in the morning, first morning urine. Check your pH. You can pick up pH paper. We carry pH paper in the clinic here. And you can just check your pH. If your pH is really acidic, probably want to increase your level of fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables are what make your pH more alkaline. So all cancer diets have one thing in common. So that's the Gerson program, Hippocrates, down in True North, Dr. Goldhammer, the clinic in Germany that I went to, the fasting clinic, Bushinger, all have in common that they make... Your blood more alkaline. More alkaline blood means that you have less inflammation. Inflammation is the root of all cancer. One of my favorite books that I recommend frequently is Foods to Fight Cancer by Gingris and Bellevue. And the first chapter talks all about how we develop cancer. And it's really kind of an an eye opener when you when you read that you're like oh okay i understand how cancer works we just need to create an environment that doesn't foster the growth of these cancer cells insulin-like growth factor is one of the markers when you're a kid you want that to be high because you're growing when as an adult you want it to go down very low because you don't want to stimulate the growth of tissues especially tumors. So that's a simple thing you can do to monitor. The other thing is iron. I mentioned iron in previous podcasts. You don't want high iron in your blood and in your tissues. And there's a couple of simple tests, ferritin and percent transfer and saturation that you can request from your physician. It measures how much iron is actually in your tissues. So you want your iron to be just barely enough so that you're making good red blood cells, your hematocrit and hemoglobin are good, but you don't want too much because an excessive amount of iron greatly will increase your risk of cancer, diabetes, heart disease, inflammation in the body. So we know that people that have hemochromatosis where they have really high levels of iron in their tissue, they don't usually live past age 30, they die of fulminant heart disease Everything oxidizes in their body. So the question arises, and we talked about cooking, about using cast iron. Cast iron, I love cast iron. I have a number of cast iron pots and saute dishes, one that doesn't have sides. I make my pancakes on. However, I don't tell people to throw them out, but I do tell people to get their iron tissue levels checked ferritin and percent transfer and saturation. And if their level is in the middle or it's high, then I recommend using stainless steel, high quality stainless steel. So there's different qualities. We'll talk about that in another show. But it's really important that you're not getting toxicants from your cookware. I do not recommend using pots and pans that are stick free, you know, Teflon and whatnot, because they do give off toxic compounds into the food even the most advanced ones are still putting stuff into the food so when you cook with cast iron especially tomato sauce by the way you're going to get a significant amount of iron that leaches from the pot or the pan so you know use stainless steel if you have low levels of iron in your body tissue levels hey by all means use cast iron So my levels are kind of on the low end of the scale. So I use my cast iron, guilt-free. But if you had high tissue levels of iron, definitely don't want to use cast iron. And certain ingredients like tomato sauce especially will leach that iron out of the pan. Okay, I think that wraps up our little session for today. I want to thank you for listening to Health Talk from Mars. It's out of this world. Uh, my brain is out of this world. Anyway, so please listen to further episodes as I will keep you abreast on the latest in foods and nutrition. And thanks for listening.